the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Why don't you give us a call? Our number is 291-6901. Got all our lines wide open. There you go. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Sure wish you would. We always appreciate hearing folks all around town, all around wherever you may be. That's it. <laughs> give us a call. It makes the show a lot more interesting, and we just like talking with you. There you go. <laughs> Each week we try to do some kind of a topic, and this week is no different. Of course, you're never limited to whatever we may be speaking on on Not that at all. particular day. You got a question about your air conditioner, your heater, your brake lights, whatever thing, tires, you can always give us a call. You're not interrupting anything. There you go. <laughs> and if you happen to miss your prime opportunity this morning to get your live question answered, you can always go to our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A G C O. A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the form, and send it in. There you go. Couldn't be easier than that. And, you know, me personally, I prefer, I guess I'm old, old school. school. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer to call someone than to text them. And, oh, yeah. And you wait for them to receive a text. And you wait for them to call. That, yak, 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 yak. So you take something that could have been done in five minutes, 30 seconds, yeah. and you bring it into a half a day deal. Exactly. You know, and then somebody's types the wrong word now everybody's mad you know i, I see this all the time with, yeah. with our group of friends you know yeah the, the emotion kind of gets lost yeah. in text yeah well you say something you think is funny and they think it's rude uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> on and on it goes so yeah yeah a phone call sometimes is is always the best way yeah the the, the the easy way is also the best way a lot yep. of times but i don't know just the way people think nowadays i know it everybody's it's... looking for a technological solution to a simple problem but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought we'd talk maybe a little bit early on the show about some of the things that we see in the shop a lot right, of times. Right. And anybody who has worked in an automotive shop for any little time, you will start to see some unusual things. Almost definitely. Some are comical, some are not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some you see kind of often, like a tire with a knot in it or something of that nature. But when the customer comes in and says, I got a leak in my tire and you go out there and there's a drill bit, half inch drill bit stuck in the tread. <laughs> you know, it's kind of noteworthy. You take yeah, a picture of yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. I know one of the funniest things that happened to me, and this was, man, way back. I, in fact, I was still in trade school at the time and I'm coming down Acadian Thruway and pop, the old tire goes flat. Man, I get out and take it and put the spare on yeah. and I look and there is a three A's by seven sixteenths inch craftsman boxed in wrench mm-hmm. stuck completely through that tire. Through the tire. Now I can understand kind of an open end wrench. Got like a sharp edge on right. it. I can understand some things, but this was a boxed in wrench. I still got the wrench. I was just going to ask, do you still have it? <laughs> I pulled it out through the toolbox. Still sure. got it. Yeah, but a boxed in wrench. And what it was, just as the tire rolled, it just happened to swing up and just, just the right catch, yep. just the right thing where it drove it completely through that tire. Of course, it didn't take long to let the air out of it. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> But stuff like that you wouldn't think you would see. I remember one that came in, it actually had a bullet hole in it. Really? Yeah, the tire was, the customer said the tire went flat. Yeah. So we got it, looked at it on the vehicle, and uh-huh. sure enough, there was a hole in the tire. Uh-huh. We took it off the vehicle and rolled over the tire machine and just happened to notice there's a hole in the rim, too. The bullet went through the tire and through the rim. Wow. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and look, they call him back and said, look, <laughs> this can't be fixed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, I guess. Thank God it hit the tire. Not, I know, not right? The window. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I guess a stray bullet somewhere. Yeah. Who Why, knows? Flying around. Who knows, man? I think the funniest one I ever saw, and I don't remember who in the shop 
fixed it, but they called me back there. So you got you got to see this. <laughs> and it actually had a chicken bone. Uh huh. Stuck through the tire. Stuck through the tire. Looked like like a leg bone or something. Yeah. I guess just happened to be in the right place. Somebody's eating chicken going down the road through the bone out of it. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean, you wouldn't think that would be hard enough. It seemed like it would just crush it and break it up. But, yeah, it it stuck it completely through that tire. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you know, you see the the nails and the screws and the Oh, every form of metal objects. Rock. I've seen rocks go through tires. Razor blade. Of course. Saw a safety razor blade one time, and it's one with the metal piece on one side and the blade sticking out the other side. Uh And it was, it looked like a little silver line on the tire when you looked at it and it was just the edge of that razor blade sticking through yep and took it off the rim and sure enough there's a whole whole, whole razor, razor blade, blade inside, inside the tire yeah. yeah it just depends on how how they hit them at the speed going i guess i guess so and just about anything can go through a tire and obviously if you have more tread on the tire the better off you're, you're be. better yeah if you get tired or kind of thin it's pretty easy to punch through that right because yeah, the tread tends to protect them i've seen i've seen roofing nails mm-hmm with a, a full treaded tire, it just stuck in the tread. Right. Never broke the carcass inside. Well, what I see a lot, too, is these little screws, like the ones that hold on the moldings around the wheel, wheel opening. Uh-huh. Because think about it. On the highway, a lot of times somebody gets hit. Well, what right. happens, it rips this molding off because this impact is on the wheel area somewhere. Sure. And that little screw falls on the ground. Well, it's sitting head up, or excuse me, the head down towards the road with the pointy point up. And if you run over it, it's going in the tire. Exactly. But if you've got a lot of tread on the tire, many times it will stick into the rubber, but it won't rupture the air chamber on the inside. Exactly. So we've seen a lot of times where you can just pull those out, put some soap and water, no leak. Well, you're good. In fact, we had a customer in uh, last week or a week before, brought me the tire off the vehicle and says, it's got a nail in it. Mm-hmm. So okay. So I started looking and I found two. I found one right in the middle of the tread. And then, like you were saying, there was a nail that it went in the side of the tread and did not go into the carcass. Mm-hmm. And I showed him. I said, look, I said, Duh, if this is leaking, this is a new tire we got. Yeah. Because it can't be repaired where the injury is Yeah, where's at. that? So I took it to the back and water checked it. And sure enough, the nail went in the tread and curled, around. and curled around and did not go into the air chamber. Yeah, as long as it didn't puncture the air chamber, you can probably live with that. Oh, yeah. I dropped a little glue on it just to seal the hole up. And, yeah, and yeah. Let it go. Well, to keep water from rain and stuff from right, working because, its way inside, because if it if it went around the metal belts anywhere and there's an opening there, water can get in through that, and it and can metal belt is yeah, going to rust and corrode, corrode those belts and cause a problem down the road. So that's why the patches that we use for tires have got a patch on the inside air chamber, but they've also got a piece that sticks up through the tread. Right, a stem seals it all the way around, and that's a proper repair it is it seals if, it from it seals it from the inside and the outside right because if you leave an opening on the outside as you roll you think about it water's being forced in you're rolling down a wet road as that tire turns it's forcing that water exactly into, into the that. tread and there are steel belts in there right and those steel and belts are not protected corrode. they're not protected from the environment because they're wrapped in rubber right they don't have to be correct but so you got a raw steel belt in there and it gets wet Water and steel, it's going to rust, and right. when it starts rusting, it's going to break. Well, it's going to expand. It's going to push the belt apart be... and what have you. It's not unlike, if you ever notice an old building, an old concrete building, reinforced concrete with the steel bars in, if that concrete chips or breaks and water gets to those steel bars, mm-hmm. they are going to start to expand because of the rust, and they will pop They'll that concrete, concrete all apart. In fact, I was watching a program on the History Channel the other day. They were talking about Alcatraz, mm-hmm. the old prison in right. San Francisco. And that's all reinforced concrete. It's sitting in the water in the middle of that bay. Right. And I think it's brackish or salty water because it connects to the ocean. 
And they said it's basically destroying the entire place. And, you know, I don't know how many hundred years you won't have. It'll be, good. It'll be, it'll be, be gone. gone. Yeah. And what seemed like a really good idea at the time, I mean, it made it possible that they could put reinforced concrete there. But now it's swung around and it's actually acting against it. It's starting right. to pop this concrete apart. And you'll see that a lot. Sort of like another example that would be like when you get a little crack in concrete and you don't think much of it. But if you live in an area with cold weather, the water it rains, the water gets down through this crack, so it's a wet area inside the concrete. Now, the water doesn't really hurt anything except when it freezes, that water expands, and the little crack is now a bigger crack. Sure. Bigger crack, now Takes more water, water gets in, spreads more. Pretty soon, dirt's getting in. When dirt gets in, a plant gets in there. The roots, <laughs> yeah, it just—it's funny. That's just nature's way of reclaiming itself, I guess. <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just—it's funny. Some of the things like that that can happen. You know, we had a lady one time come in, and she had a three fifty Z, Nissan three fifty Z, which she didn't drive hardly at all. She just liked owning a little sports car, right? But I think the car was six, seven years old, and had less than 10,000 miles on it. So it sat a lot. Sure. Well, one day she goes out to start the car, and the battery's dead, so she gets somebody to jump it off, but it just crank, 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 and would not start. Mm-hmm. So she called me. I said, you know, it could be all sorts of things. Right. We, we, we really need to, to see it. the car. So she tows the car in, and the first thing I do is I start checking different things and i've got a spark you know ignition spark at the calls getting a pulse to the call and i noticed went to check the injectors i got no injector pulse to any of the injectors Mm -hmm. which is somewhat unused i'm thinking you know it could possibly be the pcm has has failed right so we go in we pull the pcm go direct to pcm and it's got a pulse hmm so something so, between the injectors and the PCM now. Correct. And unfortunately, on this particular model, the harness for all that runs under the intake manifold. Right. So you can't see it. So I tell you, I said, something between the PCM and the injectors has it's happened. Tough. we got to pull the intake manifold to, to check, check further. Right. We're going to take our first quick little break. We'll explain that. that after. <laughs> all right. Go through a whole lot more just a little bit. If you ever plan to move. Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh, no. It's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going. Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, I think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape. So, how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Sure appreciate you listening to us and spending your Saturday morning with us. Yeah, you got a question or a comment, number is 291-6901. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
just before the break, we were talking about this little Nissan 350 comes in. Uh-huh. No injector pulse. We check. We do have a pulse from the computer. We got power and ground at the computer, but it's not getting an injector. So we pull the intake manifold, and that harness is about oh, almost big around as your wrist. Yeah, it's, it's a couple of inches in diameter. It looks like someone had taken a cut saw and chop saw and cut just, it in half. just sawed it in half. Yep. And if you look down in the valley, I mean, there is just a pile of copper and and mm-hmm. plastic, you know, vinyl insulation of all day. Really kind of pretty. Yeah. <laughs> little confetti effect at the bottom of the intake. But a rodent of some sort had gotten in there, I guess, looking for looking for shelter. shelter and while he's there, yeah, might yep. as well go ahead and eat these wires. <laughs> now, I don't know what it is about those wires, but the rodents love the insulation yeah. that's on them, and they'll chew right through the copper, too. Oh, yeah. They, they go right through that. I remember I wrote an article one time on rodent damaging cars. And there's a scale, I think the mole rating, a mole rating or something like that, and it rates hardness of thing. They said that a rodent's teeth is right under tool steel. Exactly. I mean, they it, yeah, they it, chew it, through it, a cast iron pipe. They yeah, do. yeah. They, they something like copper or lead or aluminum. That's yeah. nothing, man. They go right through that. Like, <laughs> but yeah, it just it's funny. It's not something you would ever expect to find. And you know that damage almost always happens underneath an intake. Well, somewhere it's, that. It's There's hidden a- access, but it's hidden and it's dark. Right. And you think, like a rodent thinks, hey, I'm looking for shelter Safety. from predator. Right. And if I go under here, I can fit through this little crack. But most things big enough to kill me can't. That's it. So, yeah, that's just yes. the way they tend to think. You see that a lot where, like, the wires on top of the fuel tank mm-hmm. will get eaten through. Right. And it's because the fuel tank is pushed up against the floor, but there's a little space in areas, you know, because the tank is not perfectly flat and the floor is not perfectly flat, so there are little gaps and voids in there. Right. And it can find a little opening, and it will sneak its way in there. Sure. And when they do, like I said, they're sitting around, might as well chew on whatever Whatever's is. there. Yeah, yeah I've, I've seen, there. like you say, you've seen them eat through copper wire and, and mm-hmm. wiring, you know, the insulation on the wiring. They've eaten, they've seen them eat through the plastic evap tube. Just about anything that they can get their little teeth on, yeah, they, they will eat through it. Well, I remember reading when I was writing this article on rodent damage in cars, and I started looking for research that had been done on the topic. And some of the largest research, believe it or not, are the cable companies. Oh, I'm sure. Because they're putting these big cables out there that are getting eaten up, and it's a service call, plus, 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 plus. And they said they tried all sorts of things. They put different flavorings on the cables that they thought would repel the Uh rodents. But the problem with a rodent is he doesn't have – and molars and stuff like a human has or most carnivores have, they have a set of teeth across the front, and then they have some teeth in the back, but there's a gap in between. And they have the ability to suck their cheeks in. So if they're eating something that's distasteful to them, they can put their tongue, suck the cheeks in, and it never reaches their tongue. So they can eat the most disgusting stuff or chew it up at least, gnaw on it, without tasting it. So that's why so those kinds no of things really to... don't, yeah, it really doesn't have a thing. So they tried using shielding of all sorts, and it Stay just through. nothing seemed to work. The one thing they found out that was most effective is to make the cable larger so that they just can't get, get their it. mouth on it. Okay. And so that's what they did with the cables. They started making them larger, putting more cables inside of one, one band, large thing. Yeah. And that was most effective. But of course, okay. on a car, you can't do. You can't make the wires an inch in diameter. Exactly, because you run out of so space really, really quick. Mm-hmm. So it is, and always will be, I guess, into the 
unless somebody invents something tomorrow. It's it's a real problem, particularly it on is. cars that sit a lot. And that's the biggest problem is the, the car that's moving daily usually doesn't have any problems. Less likely. But the one that sits more tends to have more problems mm-hmm. of that nature just because it is a now it's a, a immovable object so mm-hmm. it sits a lot so the the vermin see this as hey this is a stationary it's been right. here it's not moving right we're safe they'll go in it and either feed or build a nest you know we had one come in on a tow truck uh, i believe it was a caravan mm-hmm. it was an older caravan hadn't run for months and the record driver picked it up hauled it to the shop and dropped it off right. well we went out there stuck the key in it didn't didn't crank right open the hood there's a live possum yeah i remember on that. top of it yeah sit, she, sitting she had built a nest in the air box right somebody had taken an air box lid right. off and she had built the nest in that air box mm-hmm. and she was still there oh yeah 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 that, that got interesting quick <laughs> i forgot who it was that <laughs> but i think he moved a lot faster than the possum did. oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> look that sauce up looking up at him uh-huh so I've even seen snakes sure. in a couple of cases. The sure. cars will come in, particularly a car maybe that's run through water or something like that. But sometimes nothing, just the car's been sitting. Right. And a snake will curl up, and they'll be laying up on top of the intake. Mm-hmm. Or and, up in the suspension somewhere yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Now, when the car starts, most of these vermin, they are, are, they're going to kind of get their way out of there pretty they fast. They're going to try to. It's noisy. It's vibrating. It gets hot real fast. So they're going to try to get out, and they're probably not ever going to go back. At least that one is never Well, it, and it depends on where the nest is. Yeah. If the nest is up in the body frame somewhere or in the frame rail or right. something like that, they're liable to stay. Yeah. Yeah, they could. They could. They may just ride on down the road sure. with you. <laughs> Possum them in case. Yeah, that's it. That's you know? exactly right. And yeah, it, it kind of a, a a sadder note, I guess, but there was one lady who she started her car and she heard a loud noise. Right. She thought the belt was squealing, but what it was, the cat had gotten in there. Sure. And unfortunately, it decided to build or, or, or lay right there well, on, on top of the fan. And the engine was hot at the time, and yeah. it was cold in that the environment was right. cold. So the cat had got up in there, we assumed, to get some heat. Yeah. To get out of the cold, and of course, when that, know, fan, when that fan blade came around, and hit it. it yeah, it did make a loud squeal, but yeah, I said not, uh, not a good sight. Yeah, not a pretty sight, and, and not good. of course, you know, nobody wants to lose a pet. No, not and, at all. Yeah, I, that was a, a pretty sad thing. I didn't go into detail with her, but right. I said, "You're not. Are you missing a cat?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, my cat ran off a couple. Of, yeah, yeah well, well, I got some bad news for you. <laughs> yep, yep. But uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing the things like that. That it happened to automobiles. Mm-hmm. I can remember one. It was actually sitting in the guy's yard. It had been there for six or eight months. It was early spring. And the car had been closed up. Mm-hmm. Well, a month, two months later, he walks out there and he opens the door. And there's a wasp nest built in the, in the, on the headliner. Oh, Lord. And it's as big as a basketball. <laughs> it must have been a million wasps on that thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. How do you get rid of that? Hey, <laughs> close the door and run. <laughs> <laughs> Stick a pipe in the wind and yeah. <laughs> gas them, you know. Exactly. Yeah, they, all sorts of pests and rodents and vermin and all sure. can make their way into cars. And particularly, I mean, it could happen on a car that just parked for the evening. It could. You always could. want to make sure that there's no standing water or standing food anywhere around your car. I know a lot of folks will have a pet and maybe they put a bowl of food out. Sure. They don't realize they put it in the garage so that the pet can get out of the cold and you don't realize when you have a standing bowl of food that's going to attract 
What's things in- other than your pet. Right. It's an invitation. It's yeah. an open food invitation. Mm-hmm. Water piled up, wood piled sure. up, logs. Anywhere, anywhere like a mouse or a rat to build mm-hmm. a nest. Especially if there's food Squirrels. and water around. Yeah. What, They'll build a nest close. Right. And what is really bad, like if you live in an apartment complex or maybe a condominium where there's a lot of parking and there's a dumpster. Sure. Because a lot of times people empty their garbage into the dumpster. Yeah. And garbage is food. Right. And so it starts to attract these in. So if you do live in an apartment complex, condominium, any place with a lot of parking like that, be sure you park your car as far as possible away from the dumpster. Right. And even in a in residential area. Yeah. Keep your garbage cans away from your car. Right. Garbage you know, cans should go as far as, as possible, possible away from the cars. Right. Because it's just an open invitation. Yeah, it's, it's real convenient to keep it up there next to the house. You walk out the door, throw your trash away, and go away. Right. Go back in. But like you said, it's an open invitation for rodents. That's right. And it's that close to your home and your, your car very well could, could cause a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing, too, we're talking about, like, kind of natural things that occur. But we've also seen a lot of stuff where the customer self-inflicted. Yes, <laughs> we, we, can, we can go into that after our little phone yeah, call. Yeah, Well, we got to take a break. All right. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Linda, I've been so tense lately. Can you recommend a masseuse? Oh, have I got a massage guy. Johan Thundercloud. He's Swedish Native American who uses classic deep tissue massage with natural healing methods. That sounds interesting. His deep tissue green pine cone massage is amazing. Along with the piercing eagle claw technique. Working your muscles with a rhythmic screech. When you hear that, you know it's working. I bet. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, check out the team at Agco Automotive. We keep it simple with high-quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And don't forget about Agco's general inspection, an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so your car will perform for the long term. One thing, though. Do you bleed easily? What? Johan will want to know. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any questions you may have. Just give us a call. The number is 291-6901. Got all our lines open. You can get, get a put, live, quit, live answer right straight up to the top of the list. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, during the break, customer of ours called, uh-huh. and I had, I'm glad he did because I forgot about this. He really didn't care to go on the air. But on his particular car, I don't remember the exact symptom. I think the headlights wouldn't work or something like that. Right, right. Got the checking, and the body control module. Wasn't commanding the headlights. Right, was not controlling the things. And when we got it out and took it apart, actually some ants, looked some, like, looked like uh-huh. red ants or something, had gotten inside of that body module. A little more research, and... Apparently, computer chips give off a certain type of gas, and I don't know the name of it or if it's a gas or a smell or what it is, but it can attract ants ants under certain conditions. Apparently, Mm -hmm. this one it did, but they shorted that module out. Yep, I remember that. Completely shorted it out and brings up another point. You don't, like I say, you don't want your garbage can close to the car. But, but at best, you don't want to let people eat in your car. Right. You don't Particularly want to if you have, you have children and all in the car. Right. I know you're going down the road, they get bored, they want something to do, and you hand them a sandwich, you hand them some candy, whatever. But if they drop a piece and rolls on the floor, that is food. Well, I'm, I mean, if you're sitting over a plate and you're eating, and you look at the plate when you're done and there's crumbs all over the plate, oh, yeah. you know yeah. what's going on yeah. when you're driving down the road. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, those those things are falling, little pieces are falling, and just a, a minute little piece of, oh, yeah. of bread well, a, is piece, plenty piece, for ants. Piece of cookie, a jelly bean, whatever. French fries? Yeah. What? what? I, I can't tell you the number of French fries I have found oh, yeah. underneath car seats. Yeah, absolutely. And if particularly if you leave like a window down in your car. Just enough. Now yeah. you're really kind of inviting them in or a little crack. Somebody doesn't slam the go- door, door good. Shut. So mm-hmm. there's a little gap between the seal and the door frame. And I mean, you got to remember, an ant is so tiny; it doesn't take a right. whole he, lot of he crack. He can get into any, just about any little yeah, orifice. Yeah, even if everything's perfectly sealed, he may be able to get in. Sure. So, best is just don't use your car as a kitchen. You know, don't <laughs> use it at all. That's always been one of my pet peeves. Yeah. Of course, I had young, I don't have young children anymore. But when I did, I always yeah, we got to stop. We got kids got to eat. We, we gotta gotta stop. stop and let them yep. go in somewhere and eat. But. If you just can't possibly avoid it, at very least, you need to go and vacuum the car out real good. As best you can, try to get all the little Pretty cracks often. and crevices in between the seat cushions, down around the bottoms, bottoms of the seats. Even look underneath the seat and see if something is, mm-hmm. is laying in there. Because nowadays, there's all kind of modules and wiring and things that didn't used to be under a seat. Mm-hmm. They're under there now. That's right. So, well, all know, your occupancy sensors for your airbag, for your airbag. all that's on, under the seats. Right. A lot of the modules are under the floor, under the carpeting. So, yeah, they put them wherever they feel is going to be fairly safe. But, mm-hmm. again, to any kind of a little small insect, you know, right. pretty easy to get in there. And it doesn't take a whole lot to attract them in there. So, just a way to really kind of avoid a major problem. And I'm like you. You know, we're going down the road and the kids get bored. Let's just pull over and we'll. Go yeah. to this little rest area here. Y'all run around. <laughs> run around, get all the energy out. Yeah, do all that, and, and then maybe we'll get something to eat. And whatever right. whatever we got to do, we'll stop at a cafe and get something to eat. But car is not where we eat. No, <laughs> definitely not. And I established that with my two girls at a very young age. Sure. And so I never had that problem. They just knew this was not something that we did. Right. So I, I never had a problem. I know other people, they've kind of let it get established for any number of reasons, and it's kind of hard to break. It is. Once you do it. It is. <laughs> like, and, like anything else. You know, we've seen several vehicles come in. The shifter doesn't want to work right. Mm-hmm. Or the, the brake release shifter lock won't, will won't not release out of park. Yeah. And come to find out there's a, a soda had been spilled at one point or another. The top of it was had been cleaned. But that soda is a liquid and it ran down right. into that console and got into that little solenoid. And that stuff will gel and... Almost become hard. Yeah, if you ever take and pour some soda, or if you want something that acts even quicker and makes the same point, take like some corn syrup and just pour it out and let it dry, and it becomes like a glue. Sure. You almost can't get off and also gets hard. So it only takes a little film on any kind of a little part that moves, which is a lot of little parts moving up there on that console. There are. And yeah, you'll get into that kind of stuff. We had another one where someone had slammed on the brakes and the soda sloshed hard on the dash. And it knocked out that whole big radio air right. conditioned control panel. Right. Like a lot of cars have nowadays, just one big panel. And I want to say that thing was about $3,000 for the part. But it didn't happen right away, but it got slashed on the day and they wiped it all sure. off what they could see. But what they couldn't see ran in, eventually got to the wrong spot, couldn't turn Cause, the air conditioning on anymore. Radio the problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And again, it kind of goes back to the same topic. Just a second ago, you right. don't eat, don't drink in the car <laughs> is the safest thing. 
Certainly, if you, if you do or you have to, you get one of these cups with the top with on it, all that's probably a little safer. Sure. The non-spill, the non-spill work would be even better yeah. than just a regular lid because if a regular lid glass or cup comes out of that console and hits the floor, it's going to open. Yeah, it's going to probably pop open. Get the ones with the safety tops on them or you know, some of the, the newer cups that have the, the seal that actually locks the, mm-hmm. the lid on. Right. Uh, when they hit the ground, they usually don't. Right, open pop up. they open. leak a little bit, but pretty quick you can pick well, them up. A little bit of water on the carpet is no big deal. You can generally no. blot it up or do something, even if it stays down. It's probably not going to cause a major problem. But you have a spill, 32 ounce glass of whatever kind of liquid spills on the carpet. Yeah. It's soaking through into the module, into the wiring hole. Whatever's harness, down there. Whatever's down well, there underneath. And they almost always have some type of padding under there. It can That's, soak that padding. Now it can mildew. Exactly. Particularly something like milk that oh. will sour. Wow. Yeah. That can cause... Yeah, I've seen complete interiors replaced because of a a milk spill. Yeah, if you drop a carton of milk and it soaks down into that padding and you take a wet towel and you kind of dry the outside, but you don't pull it out, yeah, and once it starts to sour... That's it. It's... It's a mess. You can have a big old issue there. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we were talking about spills on carpets, Mm -hmm. uh, heater cores. Right. When heater cores leak, a lot of times they go unnoticed for a while. Mm -hmm. And that antifreeze water mixture will get underneath the padding and it will start to mildew underneath the padding right no thing there right along the same lines would be your, when your air conditioning drips inside the car right if the little vent tube or drain tube plugs, plugs up, up and then the water starts to back up overflows the tray you may not even notice it because it may run down the firewall go under the carpeting get into the padding i've seen it in the back seat show up yeah it'll run all the way back because as you accelerate it wants to slosh back by weight and it can saturate that padding and may not even feel wet to the top. I mean, if you right. get down and take the floor mat up and really put your hand on it, you may notice some wet. But not many people do that very often. Not very often. And, and I've seen it wick all the way to the back seat. Oh, yeah. And the first sign is usually a really, smell. really foul odor yep. because it's starting to mildew and, and make mold and all that, which actually can get unhealthy at some point in time. Well, you remember the caravan had a had a TSB for the drain on the AC unit. Right. They didn't put enough of a 90 on it so when you drove down the road the wind that came underneath the vehicle right. actually blew the water back up into Correct. the tray and overflowed the tray and it came into and the vehicle it was okay as long as you kept it under about 60 miles an hour but if you drove so over if, that, if you commuted in town with the vehicle you probably never, never noticed, noticed it. it right but when you get on vacation or business trip or whatever you get on the interstate at 70 72 73 miles an hour for a period of time the water, the weight of the water trying to drip out was overcome by the force of the wind under the car. Right. And it was it pushing was, that water back. It would blow it back up rather than letting it drip out. So it ended up underneath the carpet. That's right. And that was a, a big issue. And a big part of that job, because when you quote the job, you know, it, it's one price, do this, one price, do that, whether you're changing a heater core or changing whatever. But it's another car, uh, charge for tearing it down and cleaning all the carpet. And all. Sure. And a lot of people balk at that. And one thing I'll tell you, so, well, if you want to do it yourself, that's fine. It's not a difficult job, but it is a time-consuming job. Exactly. Take the seats out, take all the consoles out, pull the carpeting out, and the best thing to do is clean it with some type of good soap and water cleaner then take it and lay it in the sun and let the sun dry it. Sure. Because sunlight generally will kill a the lot UV of... UV will kill yeah, a, a lot, lot of, of the... bacteria and stuff. So let's go to our phone lines. We've got Sam online. Good morning, Sam. Hey there, Lewis. Big fan of the show. Yes, sir. Uh, got a question... A buddy of mine has a 2008 Camry. Mm -hmm. He was uh, saying that the lights are dimming on it. Now, I've got a 2012 Tundra, and I've been questioning myself lately, are my headlights dimming, or am I just getting old? 
uh, <laughs> my eyesight failing. Uh-huh. But after hearing the story, I looked at him the morning before the sun came up, mm-hmm. and I did notice that perhaps the right one was a little dimmer than the left one. Is there anything that you can check to know that you're getting the all the voltage well, you need to be getting to your headlight. Yeah, Sam, the easiest thing to do is get a voltmeter and just go in with a little tiny probe of some sort, back, back probe those two terminals and see if you've got about 12 and a half volts there. Now, okay. if you got, say, 12 and a half on one and maybe 10 and a half on the other, well, obviously you got a connection problem. If you've okay. got a full 12 and a half volts at both lights, more likely it's going to be something like the reflector inside the light is maybe some water, something's gotten in there. And this is fairly common. You'll get a little crack somewhere and water will run into that headlight assembly. And it'll either corrode the reflector assembly so that it doesn't reflect the light out properly. Sometimes mm. the lens itself will yellow and block the light from coming out. It's also possible if the light was ever replaced or somebody ever worked around it, they maybe took the bulb, didn't get it all the way back into the socket and attached properly, so it's pointing maybe at a little bit of a down angle. Again, the the way that light works, it's blasting a certain amount of light straight ahead, but it's lighting that entire thing. There's a big reflector in the back that concentrates that light and pushes it out. And if anything interferes with that, that light's going to get dim. So gotcha. first off, just check for voltage. That'll tell you if you got an electrical problem or if you got another kind of problem. Now, also, it is barely possible that the bulb itself can just be going bad. They don't always just burn out. Some of these modern mm-hmm. bulbs with the halogens and all that can lose some of the charge and they'll get dimmer. A lot of LED lights do get dim over time. So you might, if you got a full 12 and a half volt, no sign of water getting in, no sign of corrosion, no yellowing on lens, you might just replace the bulbs and see if that doesn't help. And get you a okay. good quality bulb. A good high quality bulb. Yeah. yeah. Some of these parts right. store some bulbs can cause problems. Is, yeah. They're, they're well, especially stuff made I've off fuel. I just go for OEM. Yeah. I'm, that's I'm your happy. safest yeah. bet. We had a guy come in one time and his entire wiring harness was burned up on both sides. The, the horn is going into it. And he had put some type of an aftermarket bulb that just drew a lot more amperage. And those wires were sized for the bulb that's supposed to be in there. And it really melted the whole wiring harness. He ended up with quite a repair. So, yeah, it's always cheapest to go with a high-quality bulb. And most of the time, that's going to be the OEM bulb, or at least a good brand-name bulb. Okay. Well, great. I'll do that. I'll check my voltage and see where that brings me. Sounds great. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for calling, man. I'll take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. See, we can sneak one more call in for the break. We got Todd in line. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. How y'all doing? Doing great. Appreciate the job y'all doing. Enjoy listening to y'all. Thank you, sir. Uh, Thank you. I've got a 2004 GMC Envoy, mm-hmm. and when I go to fill a gas tank up, the gas pump nozzle. Yes, sir. He's is, cutting off. You know, clicks all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's going to be. If you listen to last week's show, Todd, we talked about evaporative emission system. It's going to be something in that system couple okay. of things can cause it. One of the more common things is that at some point in time, some fuel has overflowed the nozzle and gotten down into the evaporative emission canister. There's a charcoal canister that allows the system to vent. And if any right. liquid gas gets in that, it's going to melt the little membrane holes together. The charcoal is going to pack down. It'll block it. So now as you're putting fuel in, the air can't escape. So it's going to okay. bubble back up and push the fuel back up. When the fuel hits that nozzle, it's going to kill it. That's one okay. of the most common. But the vent valve has a filter on it, and that filter will get stopped up, mm-hmm. and it won't vent like it's supposed to. will cause that problem also. 
But like Lewis was saying, okay. there's, there's a whole lot of other things that can cause it. Those are just a few common right off the top. Yeah, of my if head. you listen on the podcast, you might just go ahead and download. In last fact, it'll be on, it'll be on this week now because it's a week behind. Uh-huh. And we talked about that okay. at length last week, evaporative emission okay. system. And yeah, any, I heard a little bit of it, but didn't hear the whole show. Yeah, so, uh, anything that blocks the air. See, when you put fuel in, if I put 20 gallons of fuel in, right. 20 gallons of vapor has to escape. Exactly. And it's not going to come up that nozzle because you got the rubber piece at the top that kind of blocks it. They don't want that going out into the air, so it's kind of sort of blocked. So what happens is if it, it get, you start to pressurize, it starts to compress that air as the fuel. The weight of the fuel starts to compress the air. At some point, a big bubble is going to bubble back out. It's going to go up that tube. It's going to push some fuel ahead of it. When that fuel hits that nozzle, it's going to cut it off. So All it's right. going to be something in that system. You just got to kind of check and see which part. Most of the time, it's the evaporative charcoal canister. canister has come apart. And the best way to check that is if you just remove it, they're usually fairly easy to remove. On some vehicles. On, on some vehicles. Yeah. And you can kind of feel how heavy it is. If it's really heavy compared to a new one, then it's, it's going to have fuel in it. And that, that's definitely sign that it's bad. I'm, I'm thinking that canister on this thing mm-hmm. is back up here under right close to the to the fuel tank. It is. Uh, it's in the back of the car, kind of close to the tank. I right. think on that one, it's fairly easy to get off. Pretty important to go ahead and take care of that, Todd, because what will yeah. happen if that charcoal starts to break down, that system operates on vacuum. It will suck that charcoal through the lines. It'll start killing the purge solenoid. It can plug in the line up. Plug in the lines up, and then you got a much right. bigger repair. So, yeah, you don't want to let that okay. go. I mean, if you don't want to fool with yourself, you can bring it to the shop or to, to, to a shop and have them check it. That's a relatively, although the canister is fairly expensive in a couple hundred dollars, it's still a whole lot cheaper than what could happen if you let it go. Right. Yeah. I just, uh, I've, I've looked at it and then it seems like a canister may be in a little bit of a, a tight place and kind of hard to, yeah. well, you to can, get to unless you put this thing up on the rack. Exactly. When you go to a shop, we're going to have a lift, and we have we know the tricks to do it. we got all the tools oh, to yeah. do it, so it's going to be a whole lot easier. If you don't want to fool with it, yeah, just, take, just take it to the shop. and Relatively minor repair at this time, that's going to get a whole lot worse. Yeah, it's like everything I do. It's, <laughs> it's in the hardest place to get to. Oh, absolutely. Now, so. Absolutely. The part they, that fails is always going to be the one that you can't get to. Oh, the part they made, you know, oh, we only made two of them. We sold another one last week. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, it's kind of like, you know, there's a a law (laughs) that governs auto mechanics, and that is like if you drop a screw while you're working on a car, it will roll to the exact center of the car. Sure. Every time. Oh, yeah. You can't get to it from either side. (laughs) Provided it does go all the way through. It'll find some little channel in there where you can't reach it. Unless it's a drain, it'll roll down the drain. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's it. All, right, All right. Well, I appreciate it. I'm gonna try to try to get on there and look at it again, and then it looks like it's just uh, you know something I can't do laying on the ground trying to get to it. I'll try to get in there and let y'all look at it. There you go. All right. Sounds appreciate great, man. It. All thank right. Thank you. Much. Thanks, man. Bye bye. All right. We gotta take our third quick little break. Christopher, hold on. You'll be straight up after this break. Hey, Mike, I'm thinking about boiling some shrimp. You know where I can get a good price? Oh, yeah. I got a shrimp guy, but there's a catch. His name is Remy Labateau, and you have to go down to Lafouche Parish and meet him after midnight. Okay. He'll be behind the dumpster of an abandoned fireworks standoff Louisiana one, and you have to buy exactly 50.3 pounds. 
Rogers. Well, that's oddly specific. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, look no further than the team at Agco Automotive. No hassles, just straight up quality maintenance and repairs. And with Agco's general inspection, they can perform an annual checkup to find any problems and schedule maintenance to keep your car running right, saving you money in the long run. So what kind of seasoning do you use? Oh, I got a seasoning guy too. How do you feel about traveling to Bangkok? Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back to the final segment of Automotive Hour. Just join us. My name is Louis Alvazan, President of Agco Automotive. Got our general manager, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. If you got a question or comment, you give us a call. Try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And we've got Christopher's been patiently holding. Good morning, Christopher. Guys, it's just so cool to talk to you all. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. I got a Honda Odyssey 2006, about 192,000 miles on it. It's a crank no start. Okay. And what, what I just went out one morning and I got a crank no start. But mm-hmm. leading up to that, I believe I had a cylinder down and okay. probably drove it for a little too long on that down cylinder. Mm-hmm. What the car felt like was. You remember those beds you put a quarter in and like, you know, at the weird motel or whatever? Right. Kind of felt like that. I could shift it into neutral. It would like alleviate a little bit of that Uh vibration, but it was still there. It just kind of takes the load off. Yeah. So, you know, going forward, I did compression. I believe the bad cylinder that I think is bad is 60, 60, whatever. The other cylinders are about 150. Wow. That's a significant difference. Yeah. Yeah, man. So what I was just curious on is like I'm kind of like a budding automotive student, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Where would you even like recommend me to go to see like why won't it start if it ran with the bad cylinder? Why won't it? Well, start it may be now? a sep- a secondary problem. There's a number of things that can happen. Number one, depending on why the misfire. If it misfired for a length of time, that fuel is going into the catalytic converter. It could have plugged the catalytic converter up. So now you got okay. a dead cylinder and a plug converter, so it won't start. I mean, that's just one possible guess. I mean, a lot of other things okay. could be, but you know, it may even be a totally separate issue. I mean, the fuel pump okay. might have just went bad. I mean, they do just go bad. So 06 with almost 200,000. Yeah. Original I mean, pump. You, you yeah. could have had a misfire yeah. and now the fuel pumps died or, you know, any number of things. So I think I, what I would do is diagnose it as two separate things. To start, a car has got to have uh, all the four, four things. You've got to have fuel. Yeah. It's got to have fire. It's got to have compression and it's got to have timing. So you could check all four of those, and that's going to tell you why the no start. Knows if you've got no fuel pressure, well, then it's pretty obvious. You need to we figure go back, out why. Yeah, either got no okay. power to the fuel pump or the fuel pump is bad. You take the little cover off the back, check if you got power and ground, and you got no fuel pressure. You got to pull the pump because it's wrong with the pump. If you got fuel pressure and all that, you got to check your spark. Well, you got to check correct fuel pressure. Correct. Got to be the right amount of fuel right. pressure. Right. I mean, you check your spark, and if you get, I mean, on and on and on. It's a pretty simple procedure. But you can't make the assumption that just because I had a misfire, now my car won't start, it's They're the same related. thing. Although it could be. Like I said, if enough right. gas goes out the tailpipe, plugs up the catalytic converter, the it exhaust, can cause it to yeah, yeah, the, the exhaust has nowhere to go. And, I mean, an easy way to kind of check for that would be just go in and take one of the oxygen sensors out or take both of them out temporarily, crank it over uh-huh. see if it starts up. Of course, it can make a lot of noise, but that relieves right. that back pressure. And that would just alleviate that as a possibility. Do you think I could get away with that with just the oxygen sensor on the front? You know, there's one on the exhaust manifold, right? Kind of near it your depends belly on, button. Yeah, it depends on which one of the cats is, cats plugged, is up. plugged up. If it's the one on that bank, yes. I mean, I would certainly okay. try that first because it's a lot easier. Copy. You know? And then, you know, I, I emailed you before and you said to check for ignition pulse. That's a little deep for me. Uh-huh. I, 
But I T-pin the signal wire from the PCM. You could. The test light. Yeah, you can get what they call a Noid light, and those are real inexpensive. And you can just okay. take the connector off of the call pack and plug that in, and it'll flash if it's pulsing. Same thing with oh, the injectors. Same thing with injectors. Same, right. same tool, check both. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. And then when you said the fuel pump to check the, the ground and the power, yes. key on? Yes. Key on now, well, you got to check it real fast. Right. What you have to do is you have to be in the back, ready to back probe these terminals and have somebody switch the ignition on because it only powers the pump for about two two to three seconds. Then it'll then it shut turns- down if it doesn't run. Right, because it, it's, okay. look, it's looking for... It's just going to give it a pulse. Right. It's looking for engine revolution. RPM. So... Right. If it doesn't see that, the pump's going to shut yeah, off you immediately. Yeah, turn the key on and go back there and check it, you're not going to have any power anything. because it's going to shut right, down. Right, gotcha. You could back probe and it then, and then move your meter up front where you could access the ignition switch and see the voltmeter. Yeah. Okay. And then I do – I know Well, that, Chris, uh, I'm sorry, man. I'm just about out of time. we got to get on out of here. But cool. call Thanks, back guys. in next week. We'll talk about it some more. Thank you, sir. Thanks, man. All right. Bye-bye. All right. We've got to get on out of here, wind it on up. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service. Find a written view and fill it out for us, please. We sure appreciate that. And we got a number of reviews in the last couple of weeks. I Wonderful. sure tell everybody how much I appreciate them doing that. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.